honor of introducing our guest speaker, and I've known her for a couple years now, and she uh, used to be an Emmaus student when it was called YCF, I think. Or was it Emmaus? It was one of those names, but it was a long time ago. She was a very different person back then, and God radically encountered her and transformed her life, and um, and I got to serve on missions with this powerful um, preacher, and it was amazing. It's amazing to call her a friend and a sister, and she's a powerful speaker, and so get ready and uh, get your notebooks out, get your sword out, and uh, get ready to hear the word of the Lord that God has given to Pastor Emily, and please give her a warm welcome. Hello. Some faces that aren't familiar. I'm looking forward to getting to meet you guys tonight. Uh, today, I am going to talk to you guys about you guys not being robots. Okay, because you know what it is? Is sometimes we just go about our day going from one thing to another. I got to go to class. Got to take this test. I got to study for this midterm now, and pretty soon we're getting on the subway, we're getting off, we don't even need to hear, so are they, we just know it's time to get off. That's how robotic things have gotten. And so I'm coming with t- to you today with a word that is, you're not a robot. Okay. Now, robots, they exist purely for their function. Right? If a robot does not do what it is supposed to do, we even might throw it away. And so, the difference between robots and humans is we are not functional creatures. We are very relational. But if we get into a functional thing, then we feel very robotic. That's when you start just going about your day with emotionless, feeling tired, having no passions in life. That's a sign that we have become functional. Now, most likely this is because we've lost sight of our purpose. And so today I want to talk about our purpose. What is your purpose? Why were you created? Why do you exist? Should I make you guys close your eyes and actually think about it? I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Everyone close your eyes and think of one reason in your head. Why do you exist? Why were you born? I might call on you, so don't pretend to be thinking. (laughs) Kelvin. (laughs) There's no wrong answer. Why do you think you exist? God wanted to create you, okay. 
Gina, why do you think you exist? To be loved by God. Snap, she is a, she is a new Philly son. <laughs> See, we can ask each other over and over again, why were we created? What was your purpose? Some of us may know because why? We know God. We know our creator. But it actually doesn't do anything to ask each other why we were created. Because you have to ask who? Your creator. See, with robots, you wouldn't go up to a robot and say, hey, why were you created? You would go to the person that created the robot and ask, hey, why was this robot created? Right? See, I have a, I have my dad, he loves ping pong. Is there any of you guys who love ping pong? No, right? We're all my Chinese people. <laughs> my dad loves ping pong, but no one in our house likes ping pong. In fact, we hate ping pong. Okay, so what did my dad do? My dad goes and he goes and buys himself a ping pong robot. Now, do I go and ask this ping pong robot, why were you created? No, right? We would ask the creator of the robot, hey, why was this robot created? Oh, it was created to, to shoot balls at different speeds and spins for people that have no one to play with. Same thing with, uh, say, a sculpture? Is that, that's the word, right? Sculpture. Sculpture is created by a sculptor with a stone. Do you go up to the sculpture and ask, why were you created? No. You go to the sculptor and you ask them, hey, why did you create this piece of art? Now, in the same way, we are God's creation. We didn't create ourselves. Therefore, to find our purpose for why we were created, we have to go to God, who is our creator. Okay, so let's go to God and let's turn to Ephesians 1, 3 to 5. I'm going to read it for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Pause. Before the whole world was created, God chose us and said that we are to be loved. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. In the New Living Translation, it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. 
Before God even created this entire world, he chose us and said that we are holy and we are blameless. Why did God create us? What did Gina say? To be loved. God created us to be loved by the Father. See, if we were to ask each other, why were you created? We'll come up with all sorts of answers. I know, I know, I know all of you guys didn't have the same answer as Gina. Some of you guys probably thought about your dreams, ambitions, responsibilities. But the thing about all those things, you know, maybe, for example, I need to take care of my parents. For example, I want to become the next Miss Asian American. That was one of my dreams. But the thing that, the common factor between all those things is it has to do with doing something. But the thing is, our purpose has nothing to do with what we do, but Everything to do with who we are. And who are we? It says in our passage that he has predestined us for adoption as sons. Sons and daughters. Okay. So to sum it up for you, our purpose is to be loved by the Father as sons and daughters. Why don't you guys pray with me? Lord, I pray that today, God, a very clear word would go out to the saints here tonight. And that, Lord, you desire to love them. God, you created them so that they would be loved by you. And so, God, any hindrance of that love going out to them, Lord, we pray would be just obliterated tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I was created to be loved by the Father. See, when a baby is born, right? When a baby is born and it comes out, it's nasty. It's bloody. It's not cute. And then even after, they poop, they pee. But what? The father and the mother, they love the baby. What has the baby done? Nothing. The baby has not done a single thing to be loved. But the mother and father, they love the baby. Why? Because they are their sons or their daughter. Their son or daughter. If anything, babies are a hindrance to love. They wake the parents up in the middle of the night. They poop all over the place. They vomit all over. It's very hard to love, but why? The parents still love them. Not because the baby's done anything, the baby can't talk, the baby can't do anything, but the parents still love them. That's the same way it is with God. He created us, he had us, he birthed us so that we would be loved. That's the single purpose of your existence. Humans are God's unique creation because we exist to be loved rather than a function. But the problem is too many of us live our lives not being able to differentiate between our purpose and our function 
And then what happens? We end up going day to day to day living like robots. The robot thing came back. You're probably wondering, I thought this girl said that she was talking about robots. See, robots can resemble human beings very well. They can do almost, I don't know, probably everything that we can do. There's robots created to do a lot of different things. They can resemble us in many, many different ways. But the thing is, is they're not alive. Their purpose is still purely functional. And if we live in this way, we end up being robotic. So the word for you guys, SNU tonight, is what? We are not robots. And so this sermon, this whole robot thing, you know, yeah, it's not in, it's not in this scripture, but it was actually inspired this past summer. I went on a mission trip. And I went with a team of dancers. And this was one of the key messages that they were trying to convey through their dance. And so one of the songs that they danced to was a song called Robot. Have you guys heard of Robot by Tripoli? No. Okay, I'm going to have you guys listen to it. And this YouTube video that Eugene's going to put up, it actually has lyrics. So I want you guys to pay attention to the lyrics. I found a YouTube video that... Uh, has lyrics because it's, it's rap. So it's, it may be hard for you to follow, especially if you're international student. <laughs> okay? And so let's take a look at the video. Have you guys heard that song before? No? <laughs> the, the lyrics are interesting, huh? It really hits to the core for me. And so, I started, when I got back from missions, I started listening to this song more and more. Uh, on this trip, I was a team preacher, and so while they were actually doing their dances and stuff, I was always in the back frantically, Lord, what's your word? What's your word? And so I actually couldn't fully take in what was going on through their dance. But when I came home, I started reflecting on this song, and I started thinking, man, there's a lot of robots here in Seoul. Hmm. You're on the subway, you see so many robots. It's like they're heartless, especially when the ajumas like run you over and you look back and they're just like, you know what I mean? And so I'm going to start tonight talking about, there's a lot of reasons why we're not robots, right? Obviously we're not robots. But I'm going to give you just a few reasons, three, why we're not robots. And then I'm going to go back into our passage and talk about our adoption as sons. Okay, and so one thing that differentiates us humans from robots is that robots were created by man, but you were created by God. Robots have masters that belong to this world, but your master is God. Therefore, we are no longer enslaved to the things of this world. We're no longer enslaved to money. We're no longer enslaved to status. We're no longer enslaved to worldly expectations. Why? Because God is our new master. Did you guys see the new master in the lyrics? See, with a robot and its creator, it is a relationship of slave and master. Whatever the master needs to get done, the robot will do. 
In fact, the creator of the robot wants to maximize productivity. So you'll hear, what is the purpose of robots? Well, when I'm tired and I need to sleep, the robot will keep on working. But the problem is, that's worked into our relationship with God. God's not calling us to work and strive and stay up all night. He's created us as human beings with the limitation of needing to sleep. God's saying in Psalms 139, Psalms 139, it says that God is the only one in this entire world that doesn't sleep. Unlike a robot creator or slave master, God created us to sleep. And when we sleep, it says that he continues to do the work. We are to rest. God is not going to throw you away if you're not functioning correctly. But if you're masters of this world and you're a robot, then if you're not functioning, either something's wrong with you and they'll need to fix you, or they're going to just toss you out. That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? If you have that pressure on you, I'll just get thrown away if I don't function correctly. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to get tossed aside. I'm going to be labeled as someone that needs to be fixed. But the thing is, is with God as our master, we don't need to succumb to those types of pressures. Number two, robots are clones. You are not. If you look around right now, none of you guys look the same. Yep, some of you guys actually checked. There are six Over six billion people in this world, not a single one of them was created the same. Not a single one. But robots, they're mass-produced. They're the same. They're supposed to put out the same output. But you guys, me included, we are unique. And it is exactly our uniqueness that God loves. He created us in that way because that is what he loves. Now, some of you guys are thinking, still, God, I think you made a mistake on me. I think you made a mistake on me. I think you made a mistake on my appearance. I think you made a mistake on what family I grew up in. I think you made a mistake. But remember the analogy I gave you about the sculptor and the stone? If God created you, okay, if just like a sculptor sculpts a stone, carves, sculpts, all right, bear with me, I don't know. But just like they do that to a stone, if they mess up, what are they going to do? Throw it away. You can't fix that. If God messed up on you, he would have thrown you away. But did he throw you away? No. That means you were made perfect in his sight. Perfect in his sight. Holy and blameless. Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you 
apart. You know, maybe some of you here, your parents despised you. Maybe you're saying, hey, when I was born, my parents didn't love me that way. But God says in Isaiah 49, 15, that can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Yes, even this may happen, but I will not forget you. God's the one who birthed you. God's the one who created you. God's the one who knitted you in the womb. God is the one who brought you into being. God is the one that created you. And you are perfect and blameless in your sight, in his sight. There's no need to try to be a clone. Three. Robots have a heart of stone, but you have a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Robots' hearts, if they even had any, it's hardened. They don't feel anything. And the problem is, is some of us, because of bitterness, unforgiveness, uh, some past hurts, our hearts may have become hardened. And you find yourself kind of living like a robot, going about your day, emotionless. But God's saying that, no, 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 I've given you a heart of flesh. See, when God adopts us as sons, it says that he sends his spirit. In Galatians 4, it says he sends his spirit into our hearts. The spirit of his son crying out, Abba, Father. Now, earlier, Sarah, when she was leading praise, she was saying, I feel like some of you guys aren't convinced. Aren't convinced that when the spirit comes and touches you, that you will be transformed. And my response to that is, are you letting God love you? Are you letting the spirit of his son come into your heart and recognize yourself as his son? Or are you still deeming yourself as unlovable? That could be a hindrance. We all in our hearts desire to be adopted as sons. We all in our hearts desire to belong someplace. A lot of times, human beings, there's a metaphor for human beings in the Bible that is a tree. And the reason why it's a tree is because we desire, it says in Psalms 1, I think, roots planted. How does it go? Does anyone have it memorized? Um, he is like a tree planted with streams of water and... Yield his fruit in seasons. <laughs> yes. And the reason is we like our roots to go deep. We like to be planted someplace. We like to be in a place of security and safety. See, if we don't understand this, if we don't understand that we are to be sons, then what? The purpose for which we were created will always feel like there's a gaping hole in us. 
But God says what? Our purpose for being born, our purpose for our existence is to be loved. And so how is it that we get from this robotic lifestyle to actually feeling God's love? We go back to our passage. It says that God has predestined us. Predestined us as sons. To adopt us as sons. And so the key is adoption as sons. See, our purpose for being born was to be loved. It's not to be a lawyer. It's not to be a doctor. It's not to take care of your parents. It's not just to do, do, do. But your primary purpose is to be loved. See, Jesus, he knew this. He knew that his primary purpose was first to be loved. And then his ministry came second. For Jesus, his purpose was not a function. It says that God sent forth his son. Does that mean that he was sent and then he was a son? No, it says he sent forth his son. Before Jesus was even sent, he was already a son. Jesus was never, never struggled with anxiety because he knew that even if he failed, he's okay because his worth is not gained in life successes. Jesus had a firm understanding that his purpose was not grounded in function, but it was to be loved by the Father. You know, God's saying that we're loved. He created us and we are loved. He created us to be loved. But some of us are still trying to get love when he's already given us love. And a very amazing preacher who will be at our church-wide retreat, I hope all of you guys are going, Pastor Benjamin says, when you try to earn something, you are given, you are subject to frustration. When you try to earn something you're already given, you're subjecting yourself to frustration. You hear that wisdom? How many of you guys are, who's not going to the church-wide retreat? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Yeah, because I want to bless you. Are you able to go? You're not going? Are you able to go? You are, because God loves you so much that he's convincing me right now to pay for half of your retreat, if you will go. Think about it. That's yours. That's a gift from God to you. What's your name? Hongju? See, God loves us. God loves us so much that he wants Hongju at that retreat. He wants for you to be in a place where you are able to be loved. Not when you're stressing about exams. Not when you have all these worldly things that is going on. But at, at a place where you are able to be loved. The opposite of a son Son has a father, right? Opposite of son is what? An orphan. Orphans have no parents. Orphans 
have nowhere that they feel like they belong, and they depend solely on themselves for their survival. You know, I have a friend. Uh, she works for an organization called All Across Africa. I'm going to keep her name anonymous because I wasn't able to get an okay from her um, sharing her story, but she does post these things all throughout Facebook, so I'm sure it is public. However, she is a friend. She's my age. We're pretty young. And she's trying to adopt a five-year-old child right now in Rwanda. It's been a two-year process, and she's still not able to get this five-year-old boy named Patrick. Now, it's been a crazy fight, and one thing that she wrote, her, one of her latest updates is this. And I'm, I'm sharing this to show, with, show you that adoption is not an easy process. This isn't just God sitting on his heavenly throne, just being like, hey, whoever wants to come to me, come. It's your choice. He's fighting for you. He's fighting for you. And this is one of the latest updates from my friend. She said, thanks for all the love, prayers, and encouragement. It's been a tough run for sure. I don't want to bring everyone into the drama, but bring people into the fight for justice in a kid's life. Thanks for standing with me. After I wrote this, two lawyers headed to the father's house to see what he's up to. They found Patrick alone with his brother, playing in the dirt inside the house, a six-by-six-foot mud wall and floor house. The kids hadn't seen their father in days. No caretaker left responsible. No food. They brought me back photos of the two boys hugging each other. Patrick's older brother is two-thirds his size. Severely malnourished, heartbroken, I had to leave. Prayers for the two boys, protection, safety, joy, hoping God will break through and make a way, even if it doesn't mean adoption. I want a life for both of them that's safe. This is the heart of God for you. He's fighting for you. He wants a home for you. He wants provision for you. I'm going to invite up Bora to start giving us some music, but I shared this story because Patrick, he did nothing to make my friend want to fight for him. He didn't even know my friend until she started fighting for him. This is the heart of the Father. Just like my friend chose to fight for him, Jesus has chosen to fight for you. It's not because of anything that you've done. You know, recently she kind of had a, a, a breakthrough. A, a breakthrough, and she was so excited. And she, she messaged me and she said, this is what happens when you find out in 48 hours you will become a mother of a five-year-old. Well, what do you do? You jump on a plane to buy some books and Play-Doh at the airport. Sleep, work, board an airplane again to return to this region and see if it's really going to happen. I'm praying for a big miracle. I've been waiting for the last two years to happen, and it may be tomorrow. This is God's heart for you. Even if it doesn't happen. This was over four days ago. It didn't happen. 
But each time that you say, God, I want you to love me. God, I want you to adopt me. He is excited. He goes and he prepares for you. He buys Play-Doh. He prepares his kingdom for you. He can't wait for you to come into his kingdom. He can't wait for you to return to him as a son. This is God's heart for you. Even when you say you'll come and you don't. Even when you say you come and there's something that blocks your way. He's still, every time, he says, I can't wait till tomorrow. I want to love you. I want to love you, Gina. But sometimes we get in this robotic lifestyle and we start losing what our purpose is in life. And that is simply to be loved by the Father. And we start doing and we start doing when God's just saying, I created you because I wanted to enjoy you. I created you because I want to provide for you. I created you because I want to love you. But then we get so busy. We don't have time for this. We don't have time for that. But God just wants to love us. And so I feel like there's a few of you guys here who have been deeming yourself unlovable. You keep coming up with reasons why you can't be loved. You keep saying to God, no, I, I need to do this before I can be loved. I need to look like this until I can be loved. I need to be able to achieve this until I can be loved. I need to produce this until I can be loved. And God's just saying, no, I created you to be loved. You're already loved. Why are you subjecting yourself to frustration? If that's you, I want you to stand up in your seats right now. If you've been deeming yourself as unlovable, don't worry about anyone who's around you. If you've been living a robotic, functional lifestyle, forgetting the true purpose of why God has called you, the true purpose of why God has created you, God's saying that at this moment, at this very moment, I want to send my spirit, the spirit of my son into your heart, that's going to cry out, Abba, Father, pick me up. Abba, Father, pick me up. I can't live this life like this anymore. I want you to help me. I want you to love me. If that's any of you guys, I would like you to.